This is episode 122 with Dan Kalapsky. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Dan Kalapsky is the founder of the Yes End Movement that bridges the gap between the thought that you have and the action that you take. Yes End involves meditation programs, retreats, festivals, Arctic leadership adventures, and private coaching with Dan himself. This is Dan the Man's second appearance on Your Life of Impact, and he's someone that I'm super grateful to call a great mate. He's one of the few mates that I have that I can really dive really deep into so many rabbit holes of conversations, but also at the same time have a lot of big belly laughs and some good quality red wine and physical challenges. So Dan was on episode number 31 back in November 2017. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you do because we spoke a lot about the interesting aspects of Dan's life experiences and multiple businesses in that episode. And I've actually had people reach out and express how much it helped them create clarity in life and also help them to take a leap and say, yes, and. In this episode, we discuss why you must know your fears intimately, why your limiting beliefs are an illusion and a reference of your past, how Dan himself helps people from feeling stuck in their lives to be confident action takers. We talk about the yoga of eating and the three parts to this. How eye gazing can help you give and receive energy like never before. We discuss breath work that he involves in his festivals. The difference between collaboration and collaboration. And we also discuss what it means to be unfuckwittably you. Before we hear from Dan, I want to read a quick review from our recent gut health and gut brain connection program, the one that functional medicine practitioner Carl Hewan and I have recently run. Now it says, this program has shown me that I was eating rubbish foods on a regular basis and if I continued, I would have a, it would have a major impact on my long-term health. The changes haven't been hard to start and keep in my days. I'm looking at food and general lifestyle choices in a different way. I'm amazed at the simple changes I've made over the past six weeks with my diet and how much better I am feeling. <laughs> Boom! I love this. This is exactly why I wanted to create this gut health program with Carl. It aligns with my visions to give as much value to you legends as possible with my mission and to bring health and wellness and happiness and fulfillment into your lives in in abundance. 
it's results like this with the review that I just read out that have made Carl and I decide that, yes, we will run the programs regularly. So we just haven't set a date for the next one. But keep an ear out and an eye out on social media platforms for the next release date soon. But you can also read all about it. All the information is still on the website. Jump on, check it out at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash gut health. Also, don't forget you can win a free one-on-one life performance coaching session with me and have an opportunity to ask future podcast guests questions if you're part of our closed podcast Facebook group. So you can find that in the group section on Facebook. When you go on there, you just find where it says on the left-hand side groups, click on that and then type in your life of impact podcast community. Okay. Now let's hear from the legend himself, Dan Kolapsky. Talk to me about fear and limiting beliefs. How do you, as a coach, help people overcome their fears and their limiting beliefs? Mm. Well, first things first, and it's getting to know that fear intimately. And it's asking questions like a fear of what, a fear of who, and where's that fear coming from? And so, like, once you really outline what that fear looks like externally you also want to have a look at what that fear is on behalf of and where was it that you first experienced a fear of something similar early on in your life and because most fears are irrational and most beliefs are all or tend to be sourced from the past tend to be sourced from what i would call the ego construct whose reference point is is all the past, it's really not an accurate reflection on what's in the present moment. And so the second you can see the illusion of that fear purely based on the fact that its reference point is the past, it doesn't mean that it necessarily goes away, but it takes away the weight of that fear if you see the illusion of it and what it's made up of and why it is that it's creating that based on the situations in the past that it needed to believe that or hold that belief so that it could protect itself. So it's really working through that, working through that ego construct and cleaning up and growing up through that ego construct. And once that happens, like a weight's been lifted and off you go. So is that what you're speaking about there? You kind of, what we do as humans is give our past a lot of significance. So even though something has happened in the past, we give it so much more significance than it needs and we hold on to that significance so that it becomes like a fear or a deeper limiting belief within us based on our the stories that we've created around that. So when you say you help people know their fear intimately, what's some key sort of tips for people listening now or strategies that you use to help people begin to know their fear intimately? Yeah, definitely. Well, it goes back to, so let's like, it goes back to what's that fear on behalf of, right? So you have a fear of what, and if there's a positive intention of, let's just say your ego construct, what might that be? What is it trying to do? Is it trying to protect you? Okay. Well, if it's trying to protect you, what's it trying to protect you from? And as we start to work through that pathway and see that the thing it's actually trying to protect you from doesn't even exist in the present moment, right? And so it's trying to protect you from something that existed back then. 
And when you say the word uh, we hold of like high significance to it, a, a word that's, that's akin to that, I would say is we amplify that significance to the present moment, but it's just an inaccurate, it's an inaccurate reflection of what is in the present moment. And so as a tool, just to bring it back to what you were saying, as a tool, it's so much simpler than again, what our mind would make it out to be when it comes to fears and that to rid ourselves of that fear requires all of this work and, and we need to do all of these things. It's actually less of all of that. And part of the difficulty lies in trying to get rid of it rather than simply seeing it and seeing through it. So seeing through and seeing it for the illusion that it is. Because it, like you said, it was real at some point back then and served us well, but not anymore. And so if we can see through it and that requires someone to take a moment, take a few deep breaths, maybe do some journaling or to, if you're practicing meditation, it allows you to drop into what I'd call a, a seat of awareness where when we're in our ego, we're in this first person perspective where you feel like you're in the midst of it all in the eye of the storm. And if you can catch that for a moment, take a couple steps back and see in front of you what's playing out. That space that gets created allows you to see the illusion that has been created and the mismatch that it is to the present moment. And just doing that, just sitting and watching it and seeing through it, which seems to be too simple to be true, but that's actually the job that there is to be done. And then, so if I, how do I do that, right? How do I do that better? That's maybe where the work lies with daily practices and meditations and connecting with breath and so on and so on that allows us to drop into that seat of awareness a whole lot easier as that fear comes up because we have to remember that the ego's only concern is its own survival. So it's not necessarily going away, but we can see through it. And when you sort through and see the irrationality of a fear, it'll, it'll come up with other things that it'll create resistance to and so on and so on. But seeing the illusion of those as well and, again, sitting in that seat of awareness. Yeah, becoming the observer, it's super powerful. I use a few different methods with my clients and people that to help them scratch that that recording of what is their um, their limiting significance that they've created. Now, speaking of fear for yourself, I'm sure there's things that have come up over time, but you expressed to me after our first podcast episode, which was almost 18 months ago now, that when we started recording that one, you just started to shut down a bit mentally and, uh, and maybe it was a bit of fear that came over you. It was interesting as you just started saying that then speaking of fear and I kind of heard where you where you were going with that I thought okay well what's a fear that I might have and it was definitely that speaking in front of people and in that moment it was the fact that it was going to be watched or listened to sorry that podcast and then that, that was amplified by it being super meaningful that like you know, it was with you and it, it meant a lot to me there and there's a lot of this meaning making that layers on top where if we can now see through even all of that, it doesn't mean that it's not meaningful, but if we just see through all of that to allow the situation to be what it is, which is two dudes having a conversation, then it removes any sort of need to, I don't know, potentially come across in a particular way or anything else, whatever, whatever that might be. be. So, um, yeah, and 
it was interesting, mate. I like I was wondering whether that would happen again this time around. I wasn't sure if it would. And as we'll speak about later, we ran a festival on the weekend. I've done a few speaking gigs since then and it's a work in progress. Well, it's, mate, yeah, it's... Yeah. That that's the that just goes to show the growth and development that has happened, and you've done a lot in front of the camera and a lot of speaking since then. So that's a great way to get over your fear and your limiting beliefs. And before we do move on and unpack this festival and how much you have grown and developed over the last eighteen months, I just want to say, Dan Kalapsky, welcome back to your life of impact. You. Thanks, mate. Mate, that first episode, like as I said, it was September, October 2017, and it's now May 2019. So, you know, been 18 months, and it was an epic chat that we had in the Swedish wilderness by the fireplace after some sauna and cold river plunges and other epic adventures. And you just talked about then the expansion and the growth uh, of yourself, and that comes from within your yes end adventures. Before we dive into that, I just want a little, a little bit more um, unpacking of, of some coaching things with you. So, because I'm really intrigued by your interest and understanding of human behavior. And so, I want to know from, from coaching, what are some of the most common themes that you find yourself coaching people on who, who either do your one-on-one coaching because you, you coach in that relevance or do your, your programs or your festivals or your retreats? Yeah. So it would be people that seem to somewhat be in touch with a drive in, in which they would like to live their life or they have an idea, they're in touch with an idea that they would love to bring to this world. And like, as you said that, what came up for me was imagine like an adult standing there and holding their hand out on top of a kid's head and the kid's just trying to run forward. But but can't right because that hands there and so that's I guess that's the type of person that I'm that I'm working with but we're all in that situation even even if we we're we're doing what we want to be doing there's new limitations right and so yeah it's it's kind of cleaning up uh, through that ego construct and old thought thinking patterns and behavioral patterns that are holding people back from living the, the, the truest expression of themselves. And, and the way I see it is that the greatest gift that this world could receive from anybody is the truest expression of themselves. And, and that ego construct that I, I, I talk about a fair bit, which lays in front, in a sense, uh, in front of that truest expression, it can be quite dense in people with thinking patterns and behavioral patterns and the more dense that it is that truest expression of self that lays behind it but shines through it does need to get through that dense construct and then the world receives a part of you that isn't fully true because it's being held back by some of these thinking patterns and behavioral patterns and so it's I get there's nothing I get excited more about than unleashing the potential of unique human potential, basically, an individual's unique human potential. Like I just get super excited when people are doing exactly what comes so freely and naturally to them without trying. But but yeah, which is why you've obviously created Yes End. So let's let's talk about that then, and talk about the expansion of what that actually means these days and the SN community and actually maybe just remind everyone for those that 
either haven't listened to the first episode or haven't listened to it for a while, just explain again what Yes And is and why you created it. I'm so glad that you asked that because there's definitely been an evolution of Yes And and it started off, say, three years ago during a personal challenge uh, that I set myself of uh, doing 52 new experiences in 52 weeks, sort of physical, mental um, challenges, creative challenges, learning a new skill, whatever it was. And one of those was improv theatre which is where the concept of Yes And came from. It's the core concept of improv theatre when you're standing up on stage without any script. And so with every offer that comes to you on stage, a technique is to say yes and contribute with your own contribution to it. And as we were doing exercises to skill us up on applying Yes And in improv, I started realising this is something I can apply in every area of my life. It doesn't matter. I can apply this to a thought. I can apply this to my emotions, say yes to them and allow them to move on as they need to. I can apply this to me being on the middle of a mountain and it being pretty tough and saying yes to the next step and then taking another step. And so, yeah, I just started seeing more and more uses for it in life. And I just thought, well, for me, this is life and it's akin, it's akin to flow on stage, flow in life, flow in your mind, flow in a relationship, in a conversation and yeah. And now it's sort of the evolution of it. You know, that, that was all sort of original stuff and having launched the festival that we did, we, we realised and it was in the making for some time, this, the, uh, we realised that there's three words that really encapsulate yes and and that's flow, connect and thrive flow for the reasons that i just said the openness and flow on stage is what yes and is and if you allow yourself to drop into the truest expression of you and be open only then can you are you fully connecting with yourself and when you're fully connecting with yourself you're massively broadening your capacity to connect with others and broadening your capacity to connect with nature which is what we are and one and the same and so yeah, there's this link between, direct link between your ability to connect with yourself determines your capacity to connect with others and, and nature. And so if you connect with those three things, and nature is like the fuel source for, for what it is to be human, from, so, from food to breath to health, uh, well, I said healthy food, breath, water, other humans air yeah and and the land and so if you connect with those things you're thriving and so flow connect thrive seems to be seems to carry the ethos of yes and co-liberation mate it's an incredible term that we came across at a festival earlier Uh, instead of collaboration where it's kind of like well if you do this i'll do this and um we'll work together for that co-liberation is like a an allowance like if i feed you it's going to help you free others and vice versa rather than just i'm going to do this work there's just a different feel about co-liberation to collaboration so Say yeah working collectively. I, if i do this for you if i f- do this for you or free this for you it, that frees me so in in me supporting you here fully it means you it increases your capacity to liberate others in the way that you liberate others with the support of me and anyone else around you. And that's a co-liberation, a working together to liberate not just 
me, not just you and not like just your business, my business, but everything, every, everything and everyone we're impacting. So it's more, and as I say all of that, it's more encompassing of everyone involved, co-liberation, whereas, whereas a collaboration tends to be about the two people to working together full stop. Whereas a co-liberation is the two people working together to liberate those that they're impacting and serving at the same time. Yeah, small difference, but that. that's that's feels different. Powerful. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like uh, the essence of really good, true leadership. Right to lead people is to to liberate them, the individual, to bring Absolutely. their yeah. best self. So co-liberation. I'm going to run with that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Let it spread. If the world is driven by co-liberation, it's like, whoa, it's just like less. Because even with collaboration, when you go into it, sometimes it's all right, well, like I'm going into it with this and it'll help the business in that way. And then I'll help theirs in this way. And it's just about, that seems to be about those two people. There was nothing wrong with it. I was a big advocate for co- collaboration and using that word a lot. But it, I just, I just came across it earlier on, the co-liberation earlier on in the year. And I was just like, whoa, there's something powerful about that. And What's well, a good mindset shift, right? Because you're the type of person, and I hope that I generally mostly am, where you do go into those collaborations with that in mind. But if you go into that collaboration with the, the uh, <laughs> what's the word now, co-liberation, then that can yeah. really help to expand and amplify every aspect of it just by that little mindset shift yeah all of a sudden the people that they're impacting the person that you're helping or supporting become of concern or of uh significance to you as well and it's this ripple that runs through it all it's yeah it's more encapsulating expansive and what the world kind of needs and it's it's happening more and more Uh, like collaboration is evolving into a collaboration collaboration is almost an 80s 90s business you know, even early early noughties, it was like a big, big word, like collaboration. But yeah, let's co-liberate and we're all in it together. So that festival, just looking at, it looked epic by the way, and it's only just been a few days ago. So I guess you're still riding on a high and I want to unpack a few of those things. But I noticed in a comment in your closed Facebook group, one of the participants said, participants said, I'm still on the biggest high. Can we do that every weekend, please? So that's that's bloody great feedback there that you've done a good job, mate. But one of the uh, one of the things you said there, and what you cover in the festival, is breath work. What what kind of breath work are you doing with people, and the why of that? Yeah, so I didn't necessarily. I held one workshop or talk there, and then we had eight other facilitators there. And the breath work at the festival happened in the form of there was a breath work and didgeridoo sound journey that occurred. And that was by Mark Kundalini. And I had, we had chatted beforehand as to what sort of breath work to do. And it was, we decided on a Wim Hof style of breath work, which has been popularized by Wim Hof and is an incredible technique and has been, uh, that's been used and done by indigenous Peruvians and, and other indigenous cultures for a long, long time. It's, you know, they, they would call it shamanic breath work. So it's, you know, based on hyperoxygenating the blood and really allowing every cell of the body to receive and be oxygen rich and so on. And yeah, so that's basically what we used there. And the reason for that was to, it was almost like a recalibration of, of the human body at that moment in time and where that, so that, 
that workshop was positioned at the very end. It was the last thing we were doing at the festival. Everyone's lying down on their backs after a big, big day of, of learnings and insights. And, and so we really wanted to recalibrate the human body, the human mind, and have it be oxygen rich and then went into a sound journey where they were then fully able to absorb the frequencies sent out by the DACI, the the didgeridoo, which is beautiful in itself. Yeah, that would have been amazing. I've done those shamanic breath workshops before and gone quite deep into it, to be honest, and with the sound Mm. healing aspect of it as well. So I can imagine the state that people would have finished off your festival in. It's quite an experience. One interesting area that I really want to learn more about from you is the eye gazing. So you do eye gazing as part of the festival. Talk to us about that. What is it? Why does it work? What 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 do people experience with it? Mm. So I actually had Igor Kramen, who is the founder of the Human Connection Movement. He inspired me to start integrating eye gazing into all of my practices or, or workshops or retreats and anything that I do about three years ago. It was one of my new experiences in the 52 and 52 to do eye gazing. And so the power of eye gazing, when you sit cross-legged in front of someone with your knees touching at such a close proximity and you are bearing all sitting there in front of this person in the full rarity of of yourself and this person... That's with clothes on, right? Not full rarity. Well, it, it all depends. <laughs> It all depends on you can like yeah I mean you oh, can so clothes are you, optional clothes are optional <laughs> at home probably but at the festival we do have our clothes on okay and in the retreats we do have it. but there are workshops where you'll do it with your clothes off and it's just a tantra it's not even yeah it's not even you don't necessarily need to we don't need to sexualize it either but yeah we will, that's a different story and there's something about sitting there and having another human being look at you over an extended period of time. And that's all that they're doing. And you're there fully to be seen. And it doesn't happen that often in society these days, even like with conversations, because we spend so much time behind the screen. For some people, it's even difficult to maintain eye contact. And so what tends to happen, you've got this eye contact happening and the ego will start going a little bit funny and start thinking particular things and wondering what different stuff will come up for different people and depending on who you're doing it with it's always a different experience and so really being able to sit with it and practice what we talked about earlier which was sitting in that seat of awareness and seeing all that's happening inside in the face of someone else and some people will cry some people will laugh but being able to observe that and and, uh, is is pretty powerful and and super intimate and a connection that we can't really it's not every day that you that there's the right it's the right time and right setting to be able to do something like that i think it's a really good task to be able to learn how to receive energy because i imagine most people would go into that thinking about and their head would go crazy of i wonder what they're thinking about me i wonder what they're thinking about me rather than actually sitting and receiving their energy that they're giving which then allows you to give more of your truer energy rather than that that judgment mind that would probably kick in to begin with. Mm. And what, what comes up for me as you say that is like, you know, if you, I, I tend to do this exercise where I ask people to close their eyes and go to a situation where they were experiencing blame and frustration or something of the kind annoyance and where in your body were you experiencing that frustration, blame and annoyance and 
And how would you describe that sensation? And so the answer tends to be somewhere around the shoulders, the face, the head is where they would experience that. And the sensation they use to describe it tends to be one of a contractile nature. So a contraction, a tension, a heaviness. And so that there is the signature energy of the ego. And if you ask someone to go into a memory, go dive deep into a memory where they were able to fully be free and be themselves, then again, they'll start to describe this as a state of openness, lightness, expansiveness. And it tends to happen around the chest area or, you know, solar plexus, the gut, wherever that might be. And even a lightness through the head rather than a heaviness through the head. And that's the signature energy of you that expansiveness and that lightness. And so as you were saying there, sitting in front of someone, if you're in an egoic state, one of contraction closed off, then you're unable to fully receive the person sitting in front of you. And and so what's required there is a is a level of surrender to the moment and and being okay with the surrender and whatever's on the other end of that surrender. I mean it tends to be tends to be bliss because of the energy that you are then able to receive from someone and then be able to give that back. And that transpires through so many different aspects of life too. That's super powerful. What about in the festival, you also cover food is medicine. Talk to me about that. What what depth or what areas are you covering with people and why is that important to you? Mm, so that workshop was was run by Harry Lancaster from the Egg of the Universe, a really, really, really good friend of mine. Oh, I know, Harry. Had, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where we had our first coffee date at Harry's Cafe, Egg of the Universe. Yeah, Egg of the Universe, and it's a <laughs> yoga and whole foods cafe. And we, we, we did that little flow exercise there with the ball, if you yes. remember. Well, it was actually with rocks because we didn't have any balls, yeah, so yeah. I did the flow exercise with you with rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, so Harry and I, it was interesting. He, he's got a lot going on and we sat down and he said, okay, so what do you see for the talk? What would you like in the talk? Because he wasn't sure if, because he had a lot on whether he was going to commit to it. And basically what it was, was letting people know that we don't need to drop into any particular diet that's out there. What we really need to be encouraging people is to tune in and have the ability to be attuned with the body and what the body needs. And, you know, there's a lot of different diets out there at the moment from vegan to vegetarian and, and so on. And there's a lot of pressure, even societal pressure to pot- potentially be in one particular diet. But if you put a hundred people, stand a hundred people in front of you and have them all eat a strict vegan diet or a strict vegetarian diet, whatever it might be, it's not going to work for each and every human because of the complexity of the human and the microbiome and all of these, like everything that makes us humans and the the combination of different bacteria that we have within us, it's just not going to agree with everyone. And so whilst someone might be able to be 90% vegan but needs these 10% of their diet to be outside of that. I think that's the healthiest way if we're talking about being the best version of ourselves and being able to thrive is really teaching people to be attuned to to their own bodies. And so Harry spent the talk talking about the yoga of eating. Um, And what he meant by that was, was mindful eating, basically how whilst, and, and I was sitting there listening to it, I was guilty of it whilst a lot of us or at least the circles that 
I'm talking to you, Brett. I know that you're health conscious and, and you know what's good for your brain, what's good for your body and how to feed it. I'm eating really, really, really good food, but it doesn't mean that I'm mindfully eating it. It doesn't. So I might often be doing two things at once rather than simply sitting there. And, and so the, the process that Harry took them through was a three-part process. So you're triggered to eat food, right? There's a trigger. I'm hungry. Okay, well, what's, what's that trigger on behalf of? Am I actually hungry or is it a habitual thing? So be aware of that. Next step, if you're, you're going ahead with having food, enjoy the experience of food. What is the experience of food? What, is, what are the smells, the texture of it? Do you know where the food came from, for instance? And can you fully immerse yourself in the experience of eating that food and not rushing through it so that your body can fully receive it and all of the nutrients and be in a state to receive it, a parasympathetic state and not a go, go, go sympathetic state. We know that recovery happens in parasympathetic and I know you know this with all of your breath work that you do. And so there's no point in eating if we're in that sympathetic state and in that rush, rush, rush state. So it was beautiful here. Well, I'll just go through the third step. The third step was then to observe how you feel afterwards and be mindful of that. And, you know, for big chunks of the year, you might be suiting, your body might suit eating these particular foods. And then there's, a, there's, a, there's an internal drive towards a different food and you might have that and that might be meat for some. Whilst I don't eat, but it might be meat for some and that, that's okay as well because that's what your, your body needs. So just as an example. And so, yeah, we mindfully ate a nashi pear or chocolate for some. And yeah, it was a beautiful experience. I love that. And what you talk about there, the work that I've been doing with Carl and, and gut health for years, one of the things that he got me to do was to eat more mindfully and teaching me around exactly mm. what you were talking about there, enjoying the experience, um, being in a uh, parasympathetic state so that you can actually digest the food and the nutrients that you're putting into your body are actually going into your body. But I tell you what, mm. mate, as a, as a new father of a four-week-old, I can tell you that challenge now exists that it's really hard and I imagine for all parents out there, it's really hard to do that. But what I've found is, so it's really hard to sit and be very mindful of the food when you've got the baby in your hands or you're rushing around trying to fit in those feeds before the next task and, and helping out your partner. But what I've found to come back to is related to that parasympathetic state where I say, well, actually okay, I might have to stand to eat this food or I might not have much time, but if I just do a little bit of coherence breathing here, I know that I mm. can put myself into that state and absorb the food better. And mm. when I, even before having a baby, it was more my changes were around, okay, so if I'm just going to rush now to go out the door and I'm actually going for a, a, you know, a big walk or I'm going to be coaching and everything, there's probably not much point having a lot of food. If I just put in a little bit of fuel and, and I know what my fuel is, because I haven't got time to absorb it and then eat properly later where I know I'm actually going to absorb all the nutrients. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's funny, but like often before people have kids, work might be their practice, like their practice of mindfulness and, and being in a present state and so on. But I hear a lot of people say that the second you have kids, that's your practice <laughs> and with, with all aspects of life, you know, and obviously eating as well. So Oh, good on you, mate. How good's that? Oh, it's just one of those challenges that I welcome, mate. Now, 
One other thing I wanted to ask you about was away from the festival, what do you mean when you encourage people to be unfuckwittably you? I've seen that in your event promos and talk about it a lot, but what, what does that actually mean to be unfuckwittably you? And where does that come into the yes end community or sorry, the, the yes end business aspects? Because you've got meditation programs, retreats, the festival that we just spoke about the Arctic mm. leadership adventure, which is epic. And you do your private coaching as well. What, what do you mean by the unfuckwittably you and where does that fit into your business aspects? Yeah. So there's two sides of that coin. And the first one is at its core, it means to not be thrown too far off center and have the ability to do that. And some might call that mental resiliency and to show up fully as your truest expression. And uh, in any situation, any conversation, and not be thrown too far off center. The other side of that coin, it, it's a, it's an ironic, it's a paradox where there's actually not like being unfuckwithably you or be unfuckwithable implies that there's something to fuck with to to begin with. And the only thing that can be fucked with with the human being is the ego construct. It's the only thing that can experience like being offended or defensiveness and all that sort of stuff because behind that ego construct is the truest expression of you which just does not hold onto any of that and sees things as they are for what they are and knows that others, at behind others' egos, ego constructs, they've got the truest expression of themselves. So there's no need to get defensive or need to blame or anything else. So the irony is there's nothing to fuck with anyway. So being unfuckwithable, if you're being un, if you're being yourself fully, then there isn't a need for that at all. And it's difficult to throw you off center if you're in a state of being the truest expression of you. So yeah, how do I use that? Do you want to yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, that a good friend of mine, Amber Hawken, wrote a book called The Unfuckwittable Life and she explains it in exactly the same way. So it's, it's cool to hear you say that because it's a, as opposed to people might read that and just be, you know, sometimes in Australian culture, people can be thinking, ah, oh, that means just don't give a fuck. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. But it's very, mm. very much the opposite to what you teaching, promoting, encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. And it really, rather than not giving a fuck, it allows not giving a fuck it allows people to to drop back into that's if you if you're in center drop back into that state of of being in state of openness to fully receive someone else and care more for and have more compassion for another so yeah and i mean integrating that we it it really streams through all of the offerings of yes and uh, that you mentioned so yeah. So in, okay. So you obviously bring that into everything, which makes complete sense with how you unpacked everything. Let's talk then a little bit about, tell us about the, your Arctic leadership adventures, because that sounds and looks epic. Mm. That's, um, that was a baby that we launched last year and it's a two week Arctic adventure to our leadership program through the Arctic. And we do one week in Lofoten Islands and one week in Iceland. And we, there's two trips, one where we use running as the modality to explore and the other where we, where we hike. So the same trip, but it's just hiking as the modality. And it's completely non-competitive. Doesn't matter how fast or slow you're going. And we spend time going through about six to eight self-mastery workshops where you dive deep into yourself and open up. And in that opening up, you're now experiencing this incredible part of the world through this open version of yourself, which is beautiful. And yeah, I had that. Basically, the idea behind it was 
A, how can I make the Arctic more accessible to people? So it's a leadership program, which means in Australia, it's it's a tax write-off if you require leadership skills at work. B, how can I put together all the things that I absolutely love doing from travel, immersing myself in cultures, self-development, connecting with other people, uh, physical activity, and exploring beautiful parts of the world all in the one trip. And yeah, we ended up with Yes and Explore and I Move and Explore. Love it. Brilliant. Mate, we, we could unpack a lot of these different areas a lot more and, uh, you know, this is the second time I've had you on, but I know that your business and your mind will grow and evolve and develop a lot more over the next period of time. So we'll get you back on to unpack that intriguing brain of yours another time. Before we do wrap up, I want to ask you a question, we'll wrap up with a few different questions, but what do you believe is good action for people to take? to be more impactful in their lives and in their communities, for them to make more of an impact? I would say first thing that's coming up is doing the work on self and applying to self is the number one rule. So if you don't know how to go about that and doing the inner work, then reach out. <laughs> if you're listening to this, then obviously you've got an incredible human being in Brett Robbo to reach out to that can guide you in the right direction. And it all starts with, application to self first and in that then lies the the you know it depends on on the level of work you do there as to what version of you and how big of an impact you're able to have in your life impacting the lives of others impacting the planet in a positive way and yeah so apply to self definitely brilliant and i'm encouraging all the listeners to actually jump on and check out your stuff because it's the same goes with everyone where we'll resonate with different people different coaches different material different opportunities you offer a hell of a lot of different experiences and learning modalities that i don't offer so for everyone listening to to help you tap into that better self definitely jump on and check out everything that dan's doing and where can they learn more about you mate what's the best social media platforms and website to get mm. in touch there's there's a dan kalapsky uh page which is the page where i'll talk about a lot of this stuff i don't want to be spamming people on on my private page so that's dan kalapsky not daniel kalapsky there's the project underscore yes underscore and so project yes and on instagram and they're the two that we're most active on and then i've got a slightly out of date website in www.yes-and.com.au cool we'll all link those up in the show notes anyway and uh yeah social media seems to be the best way to to reach out and follow what you're doing how can i and the listeners help you on your journey mate oh just be on fuck with the blue yourselves i think <laughs> brilliant yeah <laughs> that's easy to do so one of my top core values is giving and as you know i give gifts to all my guests and i've given you a gift for your time and value previously on the podcast today i'm giving you one of our life teas our charity teas because last time i didn't give you one of those i gave you some delicious snacks from the superfoodio brand uh because you were about to jump on, actually, we were about to do a 25k bike ride and then you were jumping on a train to begin more of your epic adventure. So I gave you those snacks. So this time I'm giving you one of our life teas that you haven't received yet, mate, to say thank you for your awesome. immense time and value. That is awesome, mate. I'm stoked. I completely forgot about that. So it's <laughs> huge. I was like, and as soon as you said it, I had this sort of internally, I felt like it was Christmas again. I was like, what's she going to give me? What, what present am I going to get? Thank you, mate. That's huge. 
Thanks. The gift of giving, of course. So everyone, if you haven't heard that first episode, go back and listen to it. You'll know what we're talking about and you'll get a lot more understanding of Dan and uh, his awesome life and all the value he has to give. Now, Dan, is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners or anything else you'd like to ask me? Ooh. I do want to throw it back out there. <laughs> I just remembered it, that challenge of the high five challenge. But if you've listened to the first one, you'll know what that is. And I just, the value of that hasn't, hasn't diminished at all. And we continue to do it. And the SN crew continues to do it where you go out and high five a stranger a day. And you do it so that you don't deprive that stranger of that connection. And, you know, nine out of 10 times, people will be up for it because of the connotations that we hold with high fives. And so go for it. See if you can do it. Let us know how you go. And what questions would I have? For Brett Robbo. Mate, there's a lot happening in your life right now and it all seems to be about this one little dude. <laughs> What's been the biggest shift that you've noticed? Like, you know, your life continues as it is, except for this one little thing. Little thing in, in inverted commas, right? <laughs> What's been the biggest shift that you've noticed? Actually, you know what? Like the obvious thing, the biggest shift is lack of sleep because I prioritize that because I know <laughs> from a health perspective. But in more in line with what you're sort of getting at, there's what it actually does is it amplifies things. So instead of shifting things, like I wouldn't say I always have love, joy, happiness, gratitude, pride in my life. So all of those emotions that I am able to tap into in my optimistic way of living, they're all amplified. And it's not just towards this beautiful baby boy that Marie and I are so grateful and proud of creating, but it's also towards Marie, it's towards myself, it's towards our family who get involved. So the, you know, there's a lot of things that will shift and evolve and grow and just, just to know the amplifications of all of the emotions that come with it. And that's not just all the positive emotions, to be honest, that I just, you know, started this little podcast series that people will have listened to around some of the negative and unhelpful emotions that arise through the challenges of a screaming baby, through the sleep deprivation where your prefrontal cortex just shuts off and your emotional hijacking brain just takes over and throws all of these unhelpful emotions at you. So it's the amplification of all of that and and then knowing how to to navigate that. So that's that's where it's at at the moment and I'm sure I could jump on every week or every month and answer that question a little bit differently but all probably not differently but just through different experiences and you and I were having a laugh about the egg example before we came on because <laughs> you're one that loves your runny eggs as well and you know the health benefits and it's easy to be triggered into that little little state of either anger or frustration or even worry, shit, what am I going to do if my egg yolks aren't, aren't running and I'm not getting those health benefits? <laughs> yeah, the amplification of the small things, good and bad by the sound of it. That's right. And that's why I'm super grateful. As you know, like your message throughout this whole podcast has been about you teach people and you encourage people to understand themselves and to know themselves at that deepest level. To be unfuckwittably you means to have those, that knowledge and those skills to be able to navigate life from those perspectives. Mm, absolutely. Dan, you're a legend. You are unfuckwittably you and you're creating communities and culture to support others to live their truest unfuckwittable self. Keep shining your yes and impactful light to the world, my man. Thank you, legend. Absolutely loved it. You. Boom. 
There you go, guys. Some new perspectives of how to tap into your best self and really show up in life as your truest self. Make sure you check out Dan online, especially on Facebook, at Dan Kalapsky, and I've got that linked in the show notes for you. Speaking of Facebook, don't forget you can also join our private Facebook group for your chance to win some one-on-one coaching with me, plus just interact with other like-minded legends. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.